0: Welcome to Pro-Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro-choice person in only 7. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co-founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. So when I first got started with this podcast back in January, most of our listeners were people that were already fans of the Abortion Dialogue Academy. You know, they lived in Nebraska. They knew our work. I knew most of them. But it's been really fun how recently when I go and look at our podcast email list, it's a lot of new names, people who live in states, you know, all throughout the u s, and a lot of them who i I've never even met before,, uh, which is just really fun for all of you out there, uh, who maybe this podcast is your first exposure to us. But it was interesting because I got an email recently from a podcast listener who had a question about our youth presentations. And it occurred to me that, If this podcast is your first exposure to ADA, you probably are not aware of all the different programs that we have and offer, and you might want to take advantage of them or volunteer with them. So I'm going to do several episodes on ADA, our programs, that way everyone listening to this can be more informed on our organization and ways you can get involved and support this mission if this is something you're passionate about. So Today's episode is going to be on our College Conversations program. So the way our College Conversations program works is we hire a dialogue intern on a college campus. So they're typically a college student, and we hire them to do this job essentially during the school year. So we train them extensively in our apologetics method, and then their job is to assemble and train a team of dialogue volunteers. The dialogue volunteers are typically other college students. In fact, most often they're either freshmen or sophomores in college. So then as a team, this group of young adults led by the dialogue intern go out on campus and present our seven-minute argument to as many pro-choice people as they possibly can. Typically, their goal is about a thousand conversations an academic year. On today's episode, I'm going to actually be interviewing one of our dialogue volunteers. His name is Caleb. And in addition to interviewing him, I'm also going to play an audio recording of a real conversation that Caleb had on UNL's campus so that all of you listening can hear what it sounds like start to finish to have one of these conversations and to present the seven-minute argument to a pro-choice person. So without further Further ado, let's dive into today's interview. I'm really excited that you're here, Caleb. So when this episode airs, our listeners are going to have just finished going through the all the training. So they'll just learned circumstance, personhood, pro-life case, and the persuasion test. And I'm going to play a clip for them of one of your conversations so they can hear it all put together. Uh, do you want to listen to that clip real quick?
1: We might as well.
0: You might as well. Okay. You sound so resigned to it. So I'm going to apologize in advance to all of our listeners because this audio recording was taken on Caleb's smartphone. So the audio quality is not the best. You're going to hear a lot of background noise, but essentially what Caleb's going to do is he's going to start the conversation with our circumstance survey, ask the portrayal woman what circumstances she thinks abortion should be legal in, and then transition to presenting the seven minute argument. So let's play that clip.
1: Already. Um, do you think it should be legal to have an abortion for the following reasons? For sex selection?
0: Um, I, I think. I, I really don't know. I think everybody has a choice. Okay. So people
1: should do what they want. Okay. But personally, um, I think abortion would be a choice of a woman. Okay. How does it so, so you would say legal? Yes. And for Down syndrome? Um... How is this? Uh, illegal? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. For a teen mother? Um... Teen mother... Legal. In the case of poverty? Legal. And in the case of rape? Legal. And then the last question is more personal, so you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Sure. But has anyone close to you had an abortion? Uh, yes. Well, thank you. That's the end of the survey. But okay. but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on an abortion argument that I like to share with people. Uh, can I show you this card to explain it? Yeah, OK. All So you said that in the cases of a teen pregnancy, poverty, and rape, you think abortion should be legal. And these circumstances are undoubtedly difficult for the woman and the people involved in her life. Like in the case of a teen pregnancy, she herself is still growing up. So how is she going to raise another person? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: then in the case of poverty, the woman can barely support herself. So how is she going to support another person? Mm -hmm. And in the case of rape, she's been totally taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and traumatized. So how is she really going to do much of anything in her normal day-to-day life? Mm However, if there were a newborn in these same circumstances, Mm -hmm. I think that we would both agree that killing the newborn should be illegal because the newborn is a person, right? And so, do you see how at whatever point the fetus were to become a person, like the newborn, then killing them should be illegal as well? Well, I think that's a very difficult question, to be honest. Um, saying that in certain age uh, they have feelings like in certain age until certain months it should be okay or not something like that but personally
0: I think it's illegal
1: okay yeah and so what do you think the fetus would need in order to be legally considered a person
0: um
1: would need yeah like an, an ability I I Personally, I really don't know a lot about how it's going on inside. I mean, in what certain ages they start feeling something. Yeah. Um, I don't have there's a there's a few examples here on the back, yeah, like okay. a heartbeat or brain activity. Um, I don't know this pain. Oh my gosh, it's so difficult. Yeah. If you want, I can just choose one, and we can just uh just roll with that one. Um maybe this one. Feeling pain, okay. Yeah, yeah. So right here we have a list of creatures in order from highest development to lowest development. And when considering what makes a person a person, I find it helpful to examine what we already agree are people. For example, we would agree that the adult and the newborn are both a legal person mm-hmm. while the animals are not a legal person. Okay. And if we were to use your example of the ability to feel pain, mm-hmm. if we just put that here, then like everything above this line can feel pain mm-hmm. and would be considered a legal person while everything below this line would not be able to feel pain and so would not be considered a legal person. The issue we run into with using that is we set the legal bar too low Mm -hmm. and we include animals as a person. And no matter what ability we choose, we will either set the legal bar too high and Mm -hmm. exclude newborns or, like before, set the legal bar too low and include animals. Mm -hmm. And so an ability-based benchmark just does not work to determine personhood because... Mm animals have more abilities than a newborn does, which is why they're higher on this scale. Yeah.
0: So what
1: should we do? So we need to look at what makes the... Uh, what the adult and the newborn are, rather than what they can do. Okay. And so the adult and the newborn are both biologically human. And when you consider biological human? Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually right there. So... On the back here, there's a few embryology textbook quotes that state at the point of conception or fertilization, Mm -hmm. the fetus becomes biologically human. Oh. You mean.
0: uh, in here?
1: Yeah, right there. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Now I see. Yeah. And so we consider the adult and the newborn to be a legal person because they're biologically human. And so because we called them a person because they're biologically human, then we should also consider the fetus as a legal person because they are also biologically human. And
0: this fetus is going to be legal.
1: Yeah. And so going back to the beginning, because the fetus is always a person, then... Killing the fetus should always be illegal in all circumstances okay. because it's it's killing an innocent person. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going from here, here, and there. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I found the reason a lot of people are pro-choice is because yeah. they've never heard a secular cool. argument that is yeah. against abortion. Have you heard this argument before, and what do you think of it? Um. Uh, like I, I think I've heard something on the TV, to be honest, but mm-hmm. I didn't, like, think that this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, okay, okay, things, but when you start asking like this, this, I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get me, right? Yeah, I did. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and of course, these are still real problems, and um. we still need to come up with real solutions to them. And... I just think that abortion is not an appropriate solution because it kills an innocent person, and our laws are in place to protect innocent people from being killed by other people. Yeah, so would you say that you agree, like you would come to the same conclusion as myself, that abortion should be illegal in all circumstances because it kills an innocent person? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So you can can see
0: that? Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, well, you can keep this card, and would you like to give your contact information to get in touch with some pro-life organizations on yeah. campus? Yeah,
0: uh, I think I can give you an email address.
1: Uh Do you have a phone number? A mobile phone? Okay, yeah. We'll just, that's a lot easier for us, because we use GroupMe. Oh, okay. And, yeah, just first name, last name, and phone number. And here, you can use that pen.
0: Good job, Caleb, changing someone's mind and getting her information for the Pro-Life Club. That was awesome. So had you listened to this conversation before today?
1: Well, I listened to it because Anna talked about it.
0: Oh, she told you? Okay. I want to tell the listeners the story behind this clip. So I was training our new intern at UNL. Her name's Anna, and she really wanted to listen to a conversation of yours, Caleb. And I told her that there wasn't really a lot of purpose to it because most of your conversations are pretty perfect. So there's not really much to learn from it, but she really wanted to. And so you had sent me about, what would you say, like 40 conversations that we had recorded?
1: 35
0: to 40. 35 to 40. Yeah. So about 40 conversations that he'd um, recorded during that first semester uh, with the purchase person's permission, obviously. And I told Anna to just pick a number between uh, one and 40. And so she picked 31 and that happened to be this conversation. So part of the reason that I wanted to have you on the podcast, Caleb, is because I'm starting a new tradition where I interview every year the student who has the most conversations for the year. And so at the halfway point, you had the most conversations. However, there are several students who are very close to you. So we'll see where the school year ends. Um, But first, I wanted to give a quick shout out to some of our past volunteers who had the most conversations their year. So in 2017, the student with the most conversations, her name was Aaron. She talked to 134 pro-choice people. Then in 2018, that record went to Maria. She talked to 144 pro-choice people, which is the current record of all years. Then in 2019, the student with the most conversations was Isaac, who actually went on to train you, Caleb. He talked to 108 pro-choice people. However, the last six weeks of his academic school year were actually cut short by COVID. So I think if he'd been given a full year, he would have had a lot more than that. And then in 2020, the student with the most conversations was Luke. He talked to 48 people. Now, 48 might sound like a very low number, but COVID was a very rough year. So it's actually really impressive considering how dead campuses were. They were pretty much vacant. So finding 48 people to talk to that year, really amazing. And then Caleb, you currently at the halfway point have 68 conversations at this time that we are now filming this interview in January. So for our listeners at home, they're at that stage where they've just finished learning the seven minute argument and they're now ready to have like their very first conversation. Do you remember your first conversation? Like, were you nervous at the time? Like, tell us what that was like.
1: The very first time I was very nervous. Yes. I remember like for the first four or five weeks going up to Isaac and being like, I am not prepared. I did not review. This is going to be horrible. But it always turns out fine. You just got to say what you remember and just kind of roll with what you got. And eventually you get it.
0: So for those of you listening who are like, who's Isaac? Isaac is the dialogue intern that originally trained Caleb.
1: I'd like to give a shout out to Isaac for being a great mentor and not yelling at me. <laughs> but yeah.
0: Did you seriously expect him to yell at you?
1: Well, I guess kind of. Not just be not because of the way he is, but that was just, I felt like I was doing a horrible job. <laughs> so yeah. Isaac even said during the training, it was like, it's very good that you get the reason behind it, like the idea of the argument. But even so, you need to memorize the seven minute argument. It's not a choice. Memorize the argument.
0: Or Isaac will come and find you.
1: Isaac will hunt you down.
0: Isaac is a stickler. You know... He persuaded the first person he talked to because he'd memorized the seven minute argument perfectly. So then when he became an intern, he was like expecting all of our volunteers to also, you know, follow directions and memorize the argument. And I just remember him being so surprised. He was like, we, why don't they just do what we tell them to? Like, why are they making it so hard on themselves and going through this tedious learning process? So not surprised at all that he said that to you.
1: Yeah, I I totally respect that. You, you were trained a certain way for a reason. I'm just going to be straight up. I just am horrible at remembering things. I'm just built different.
0: Wait, I'm lost. What does built different mean?
1: Like, built different. That's just a thing that the kids say nowadays. Say <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny.
0: Wait, no, now you have to actually explain it to us. Like, what does it mean?
1: It's basically saying when someone, like, does something really good very well, but... Now it's also become just anything.
0: Okay, well, now all of our listeners know Gen Z slang. So um, so I think typically people are nervous in particular because they're afraid of getting yelled at, like they're afraid of the conversation getting really tense. What has been like your experience? I mean, obviously, in the conversation we just played, the woman was very calm, you know, she was kind of excited even to change her mind. What do you find is like the typical tone of your conversations?
1: The tone is typically chill, like it's just a exchange of ideas and they don't really, they never yell at you. I have never had that.
0: So did Isaac need to like pull your arm to get you to have those first conversations or were you just like ready to go?
1: Um, I would say I was pretty neutral. Like I wasn't like crazy excited, but he, I don't think he really had to.
0: So you were like willing. Yeah. See, we get volunteers in all types. Like sometimes we get them that are like really excited to go talk to people. And then other times, like Erin, who I spoke about earlier, who had the record in 2017, she had to be like physically pushed by her intern to have her first conversation. Uh, but then she ended up like loving it and even went on to intern for us as well. So I always tell people, I'm like, don't knock it until you try it. Because until you have that first conversation, like you just don't know, like you actually might find that you really like outreach. So how long did it take you until you had your first persuasion?
1: It was probably within the first five. Let's just say first three times going out.
0: Caleb is one of our classic volunteers who doesn't actually remember the people he persuades because he ends up talking to and persuading so many people. It always makes me laugh. You guys are like, yeah, like I went out, I did the argument. They changed their mind on abortion in like seven minutes. They went from being like extremely pro-choice to wanting to join the pro-life club. And then, you know, I just went to lunch because it was just another Tuesday.
1: The, The funny thing is, though, like that is the way I feel about it. But when you said that at the event on Sunday, it was like, wow, that is kind of crazy, actually.
0: Do you think that when you persuade someone, you like do you get a feel ahead of time that you think they're going to change their mind or does it surprise you every time?
1: I would say I really don't know how to like, determine if they will be persuaded because a lot of times I am caught off guard. By the fact that they like the logic resonates with them or or if they just like turn it down, like, no, we'll see if I eventually get a feel for it. But (laughs) as of now, no.
0: If you were to give me like a ballpark estimate, how many hours of outreach do you think you're doing every week?
1: Typically, probably two. But I know at the end of the semester, I was probably punching in three or four.
0: So how many conversations an hour do you think you're doing on average?
1: How many conversations? It really depends. But I would say four is a just a good general rule of thumb.
0: Four conversations an hour? Yeah. Yeah, that's about the rule of thumb that we teach. You know, like one every 15 minutes that allows you some time for start and stop in between. So at that rate, you'd be clocking in about eight to 10 conversations a week? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just want to stop for a moment and be like, do you know how cool that is, though? Like, how old are you, Caleb?
1: I'm 18.
0: 18 years old. See, I don't think all the volunteers get how much I am like all of your biggest fan. Like, you guys are so young and what you're doing is so... Hard, but it's like important, and you're just brave and you're just out there every week talking to people. Doesn't matter if it's like raining or snowing, and you're just doing something to, you know, defend the most innocent people in our society. I just, I don't know. I just think all of you guys are so awesome. I know that they gave you a round of applause at the last presentation of mine that you attended.
1: Yeah, that was a surprise. I wasn't really expecting that.
0: You weren't expecting them to clap for you? No. <laughs> Okay. So in the clip we just played, the woman gave her contact information so she could get information about the pro-life club. What percentage of the time do you find that like when people change their mind, they're interested in potentially getting involved in the pro-life club or they like give you their contact information to pass along?
1: I would say about 70 for 75 percent. Pretty decent.
0: That's actually a really good percentage. So not only are those people pro-life now, they're interested in potentially getting involved in our movement. That's super awesome. One of the things I love about interviewing the student who has the most conversations is that there's gonna be some like future student out there who's gonna hear this interview and be like, I gotta beat Caleb.
1: <laughs> I hope I hope they go for it.
0: Yeah, like they're gonna want to, you know, beat the record. And I think that's so awesome. So what advice would you give that, you know, young eighteen year old listening to this, you know, ten years in the future?
1: It shouldn't come as as a surprise at this point. The the biggest advice I would give is just stick to your training and follow the seven minute argument and then just keep doing it. You'll learn with time. Don't give up. The outreach card is invaluable and they get to keep it. So more persuasions later and just that being chill can be extremely effective for persuasion and that common ground is also incredibly effective as well. One of the things I've noticed is If you both agree on a thing, but you don't explicitly say it, and then you say something else, it's almost like they assume that you disagree with the thing that you really should have explicitly mentioned that you do agree on.
0: You know what's funny, Caleb? Your advice is literally my first three podcasts. Like you said, chill. I say calm. Like conversations need to be calm in order to be persuasive, and then also how important and essential common ground is for persuasion. And one of the components of common ground that I always talk about is the fact that it needs to be vocalized, which is not always intuitive to people. Like we think if the perchoice choice person says like it should be illegal to eat babies, that they would just know that we agree with them without us needing to say anything about it. Sorry, that was like a, <laughs> that was a horrible example. Was that me being built different? Yes, that's (laughs) getting there. That was, oh man, that's interesting. Well, horrible example aside, you have to vocalize the common ground or the purchase person might think that you disagree with them, even in an area where you actually agree.
1: And like this little exchange here where I brought this thing up and you're like, yeah, that's what like the design was. It's just... Like a testament to the fact that when you do something for a while, when you build up experience, you start to understand it on a deeper level. Like you get to understand the, the more intricate parts of the argument.
0: No, I think it's really good that you said that, Caleb, because I think that a lot of volunteers feel like they have to know everything perfectly before they have their first conversation and the truth is like the only way you're going to get good at this is by just going out there and doing it and it's like as you do it that's how you get perfect at it and that's how you really understand the argument at a really deep level
1: yeah that's i would totally agree hashtag memorize it hashtag just do it i don't ever drop hashtags i don't know why i'm doing this
0: (laughs) this interview is aging you (laughs)
1: I'm getting older by being here. My rep is going down.
0: Maybe we didn't even need a full interview. Maybe we could have just had a hashtag. Just hashtag memorize it.
1: Yeah, hashtag memorize it.
0: Well, thank you so much, Caleb, for coming on our show to share with our audience. I hope they enjoyed that conversation of yours as much as I did. Uh, Do you have any last pieces of advice or tidbits of wisdom you'd want to share with our listeners?
1: I would say basically echoing what I was saying before. You got to memorize the seven minute argument. Don't be worried about getting everything right in the beginning. If it's worth doing well, it's worth doing poorly first. And then just stick to it. You'll get good eventually.
0: I love that. If it's worth doing well, it's worth doing poorly first. So I'm going to hop back on here real quick and just share with all of you that the academic school year has ended and Caleb ended up talking to 140 pro-choice people, which is super cool. Um, but unfortunately for him, there was a different student who ended up beating him and setting the new record for for the most conversations. So that student, her name is Hema. She talked to 151 pro-choice people this year. So I'm gonna interview her for a future podcast. Now on next week's podcast, we're going to be talking about a different program of ADAs, our youth presentation program. I have a really fun interview from a formerly pro-choice high school student who was persuaded to be pro-life after hearing our youth presentation. And she's got some really interesting insight into how parents, and educators can better talk about the abortion issue with the pro-choice or undecided youth in their classes or in their lives. I'm really excited for all of you to get to hear this interview, to get to learn about our youth presentation program. So tune into our next episode to hear that. If you like today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's wwwabortiondialogacademyorg slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life, In seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.